Hey, this is Shamina. This is the Two Quick Things podcast. Thank you for joining me for another week. Um, If you didn't notice, I took last week off because I didn't feel like recording. And so I had a lot to say as usual, but it just didn't come out. I was spending my time with family and I am super content with that because sometimes you need an unscheduled break. So here we go. The topic this week is going to be around unlearning struggle. So wife and I took a road trip basically throughout the state of California. I spent some time in Northern California before um, the holiday season started, Christmas specifically. And then after Christmas, went down to see my family in Southern California. And on the way there, first of all, it was hellacious. The, the, if you are familiar with California at all, you know the fastest way to get down to Southern California from Northern California is the grapevine that closed due to snow. And let's just say it was a shit show. 15 hours in the car on a trip that should normally take six and a half, seven um, when there's not crazy traffic. So needless to say, we were spent, but had a really good time going. Coming back, the ride was super smooth. And I'm not quite sure what I or we were listening to at the time, but I started to think about struggle and what that actually meant. And I was thinking about the things that I need to unlearn when it comes to struggle. So there are two things specifically that that came up in our conversation and that I really spent some time writing some notes about and thinking through. The first one is unlearning the cycle of living paycheck to paycheck. So... I don't talk specifically, not, at least not on the show, about money and dollars and whatnot. Those are for my in real life friends and conversations. But I have been certainly blessed to, I think, this year to not be living in a paycheck to paycheck situation. And so I wanted to talk a little bit about the the challenge of that. So truth, full disclosure, it's great to not have that worry. So I don't want to pretend like I am still worried about that right now, but there is a piece of me in the back of my mind that constantly is thinking, okay, this is too good to be true. And I still can't believe it. I still am not sure how I got to this place. And part of me feels like I need to dissect that and that something is wrong with it. As counterintuitive as that may feel, I am used to being in a place of like, number one, being paid once a month. And then at the end of the month, like making sure I can scrape together enough to get through the end of the month in terms of food, all of my bills are actually covered and like holding on to that last minute. And the crazy part about that is that I was making good money and I was not conscious about that because I was as much money as I was making. And this feels super vulnerable because I don't really talk about this in detail, but as much money as I was making, I was spending out that much, if not more. And it literally made no sense. It was this psychological thing of like, I have it, so I spend it. I have it, so I spend it. There should be nothing left at the end of the month, which is so weird and counterintuitive to the idea of wanting to not live paycheck to paycheck. It was really hard to grasp. And so there's certainly points where I still can't believe it. Um, I still incessantly check my bank account to make sure that all my money is still there. I don't, I have no idea what that is about. Um, but I still probably every other day I go in and be like, yeah, okay. It's still there. I can stop tripping. Um, 
but yeah, it's a weird thing of um, figuring out how to unlearn the habits around scarcity, because that's really what it is of having at times grown up in spaces where like there wasn't enough or the the things that I knew to be um, an expectation now, like they weren't always there. So the I want to say that it takes um, it was a very intentional decision to move towards not living paycheck to paycheck. And I had to then reconcile with myself that I was the reason that I wasn't doing that. And I had to unlearn the cycle of I have it, so I spend it. So number one is an an intentional decision. Number two, it required, in addition to those other things I mentioned about not believing it and still incessantly checking those things, those bank accounts, um, it required a lot of discipline. I had to figure out what I actually paid for and needed to do during a given month in order to then separate my funds to be able to pay down debt super aggressively. There's all these plans out there. There's YNAB, you need a budget. Um, It's an app and it's super helpful. And I've talked about it on an episode maybe like a year ago or or so ago. And I knew the tools. There's like the Dave Ramsey thing. You can snowball your debt based on the highest amount of debt or the highest interest rate. I knew all of those things and I had read about them so much, but I was doing nothing to get myself into a position to be able to aggressively pay down and to really sacrifice. And let's be honest, sacrifice with a little S because I wasn't sacrificing too much. I was just making better choices of how I was going to spend my money in the short term so that in the long term, I could really have a lot more flexible spending, really invest in the things that I wanted to. And specifically with retirement and making sure that my mom has, you know, what she needs on a month to month and doing what I I can to do that. But it required discipline because I had to stop being wasteful with the thing that was sitting in front of me that was saying like, I'm here for you. This is the money. I'm here for you. You don't have to struggle like you used to or um, really not be as mindful. As long as you start to make those moves and those sacrifices and really engage in the the act of discipline. And discipline can be like, um, you take your lunch. So I was taking my lunch a lot more often than I was eating out. And I work in a neighborhood where there's like, probably like 40 different places to eat and probably twice as many different types of cuisine to engage in. Um, And I work uh, maybe a block from a Whole Foods, so that was a mess all in itself. But I think I had to think if I want to not be paying the same bill, if I don't want to continue to pay off this coat that I bought three years ago now that I don't even wear the coat anymore, but I'm still paying for it, what was I going to intentionally choose to stop doing, and maybe it was a a momentary thing that I had to stop doing, like three or four months to stop doing that in order to get myself in a position to not be living paycheck to paycheck. I also needed to trust myself. I needed to know that I could do this, that I had the willpower as big or as small as the willpower needed to be. I needed to know that I could trust myself to do this. And if I couldn't trust myself or rely on myself to do this, then what what the hell was I doing? Um, then I, I also want to be like super clear that I still look at my bills and I think I have money left over. Like what haven't I paid? So I will go through like all of my bills. I think all of them, except for one that I can check on my phone. Cause one doesn't have an app, but I can check the website, but whatever. I still go back and look and be like, I have money left over. What haven't I paid? 
Like, have I put the money in a joint account for all of the, like, shared bills and groceries? Did I do that? Um, did the car note get paid? Um, so all of these things that it feels like this psychological, like, I don't want to say warfare because that sounds really dramatic, but it's this push and pull of, like, I have this money. Have I done everything I needed to in order to, you know, keep up our lifestyle and stay on top or in front of our bills? And it's really a constant cycle of unlearning that I'm hoping at some point I will be comfortable enough to like trust the, um, auto payments. Cause right now I have them set up, but I know when they're all supposed to hit. So I go in there just to make sure it hits. And I don't know if that's a, a good discipline act that I check every month, or if I just need to figure out at some point how to let that go and let the system that millions of people use. And the reason why those companies or banks have set that up to be able to automatically do that so that you can forget it. But one day I'm hoping to be able to, to actually let go of that struggle piece because I haven't lived paycheck to paycheck in probably eight or nine months. But here I am still engaging in the, the habits a little bit less than I was before, but I'm still unlearning how to let that particular piece go. So, <clears throat> and there's a lot of things that we need to, that we could let me paraphrase that. There's a lot of things that I can learn to let go of because I no longer am in that place. Another small one, uh, but also it can play a really big role, is letting go of the struggle of procrastination. I talked about this in another episode. I can't tell you which episode it was because I don't know. So go back and listen. Thank you in advance. Um, I remember very specifically being at the Woman Involved Conference in 2019 in Denver and Pastor Teray talking about procrastination being the arrogant assumption, I'm paraphrasing, it's being the arrogant assumption that you'll have another opportunity to do what God, God has called you to do today. That has never left me. And he quoted that from somebody else whose name I don't know. But so it's like a third or fourth hand quote. But I just remember that so vividly. And I was like, wow ouch, that hurt my feelings because that is me. I'm assuming that I'm going to have another chance to be able to do this thing or have this conversation or engage in this way when there are no promises, there are no guarantees along with any of this. But I also take a step back and look at my own, you know, relationship, I would say with procrastination, because I don't think it's a, it's a, it's not a constant thing, but it's certainly something that pops up on occasion. And my wife and I were talking a little bit earlier. Um, if I can find the article, I'll certainly share at least the name of it. But, um, oh, it says procrastination is not, it, procrastination is an emotional regulation problem, not a time management pro problem. And I was like, no, it's certainly time management. And then I was like, that's a lie. Look at me. I'm covering up what it, what I think is true. It's actually an emotional regulation problem. Because for me, I was I stopped and thought, I have a fear of success which sounds weird, and I haven't really unpacked that, but I know there are times when I'm at work that I will make an excuse for not doing something because I put it under the guise of, like, well, I work better under pressure, or I have more time to do that, or I'll do everything except the hard thing first, and I'm not quite sure how or why I have gotten into that mindset, but that's something that I am un figuring out how to unlearn. And so I, I tried acupuncture and I'm not sure, I can't recall if I talked about it. I tried acupuncture maybe a month or two ago. And when I tell you, first of all, it didn't hurt. So if you have access to acupuncture at maybe like a co-pays rate 
which is what I have. So it was like $15 a visit. Try it. It didn't hurt at all. Um, I didn't see any of the needles go in because I was laying face down, but it didn't hurt at all. So give it a try. But I, after that, I was so focused. First of all, I was tired the, the rest of the day. <coughs> Excuse me. So the lady told me, she was like, you're going to be tired the rest of the day. So don't have anything planned. Of course, my smart ass had a workout plan, but that's neither here nor there. But when I tell you the next three days after that, I don't know if I drank the juice. There was no literal juice with that, but I don't know if I like believed in it so much that then I fell. Um, I don't even say victim because it was a good thing. I fell into the, the mindset that I was so focused. I didn't procrastinate a single thing in that like four days after I, I went to that first po- appointment. And I guess in my mind, psychologically committed to um, not procrastinating because I was thinking she was she told me some ideas and some questions to think about as I was going into like my alone time in acupuncture so my lady she put all the needles in and she was like she asked me some questions to think about and she left me in the room for 30 minutes first of all I feel hard ass asleep um but then I guess in in my mind there was a subconscious thing where I was like I want to be focused, so focused the next few days because I had like some major things coming up. And when I tell you I was on point with everything, with everything, my job was my bitch those next four days. I was out here slapping bitches and taking names. Bitches is, I don't put any sort of gender along with that. So put whoever you want in that category. I was so on top of it. I made myself nervous because then I was like, Girl, you so on top of this. You don't have any extra things to do. Like you can go home and not be thinking about this because you've done all that you needed to for today and half of what you needed to do for tomorrow. But it's this, it's working through this emotional um, space of really addressing things as they come up and not putting them off because what are you putting them off for? There's generally not a reason for it's. I have found for myself, it is wrapped in a fear of something that I haven't been able to figure out yet. And I, the, the, the overarching thing is a fear of success of doing things well, and then being asked to do more or being asked to come in, you know, present and show this in front of lots of people, which is, can be, you know, nerve wracking. I'm a good presenter in front of people. So that's not my concern, but it's just being like, we expect more of you and more and more and more, and then it never ends. So that's something I certainly want to unlearn is the struggle around procrastination and what, because it hasn't served me. I can't think of a single occasion where procrastination has served me. Yeah, I've got the stuff done. I've got the stuff done well, but it was stressful, more stressful than it needed to be because I could have chosen a different path with that. So those are two things in my mind of unlearning um, in terms of struggle. And so this will be my last episode, obviously, tomorrow. It's the 31st of December. Um, if you're listening to this now, if you haven't, then, you know, I listened to I did this on the 31st of December of 2019. So as we enter into 2020, I want to leave a few things for you to consider and then I'll give you my podcast res- recommendations. So here's a business tip. When you go to write the date, write out the entire year for 2020, because what we don't have time for is people to try to forge a different year. So if I write out one, one, 20, somebody could throw a 17 or an 18 on that. And then I'm fraudulent. So that's, that's a free tip for you. I certainly saw that somewhere on Instagram and I was like, bet, let me, I'm going to share that with the people I work with. So I'm sharing it with you for 2020, write out the entire year so that people aren't going to have a chance to play you. 
So you're welcome. And pass it on. That's a free one. Um, next one. Ease into your year at your own pace. No one requires that you transform into the new year, new you within the first few days. And also, I don't particularly care for the new year, new you phrase and bullshit and the busyness that the gym is going to be. And I'm a person who goes to the gym twice a week, if not three times a week, like clockwork to an actual like gym, my planet fitness, because it's cheap and it does everything that I need, I need it to be. Um, and then I go to a trainer the other two days. But no one is expecting you to, to have that wrapped up in the first few days. So if you don't have it on January 1st, it's okay. If you change your mind and start over with what you want to do for in terms of your goals or resolutions or whatever, that's okay. Do that. Ease into your year at your pace, okay? Continue to establish and reestablish and then consider your boundaries, and remember that you are the only person who has to be comfortable or find comfort in your values because your I'm sorry your boundaries because they are yours. Point blank. Period. Um, remember that you can't force or make a grown person change. When, I think when you when you come to that realization more and more, you realize how much less stress you have. You can't make grown folks change. Maybe you can invite it, maybe you can suggest it, but ultimately it's up to them. And when you're able to kind of let that go, if they don't want to change, then move on. Your blood pressure is going to go down. I can damn near guarantee it. Reinvent yourself as many times as you see fit. It's 2020. Who cares? Do it as many, change as many times as you want to. And let somebody say something about it. And then let them sit in silence and you can move on from the conversation. Reinvent yourself how many ever times you want to, as often as you want to, as big or as small as you want to, because you can. Um, and then I was trying to think of like, what are the lessons I've learned? I haven't, I don't know yet. It's still 2019. I don't know what those lessons are, but once I figure that out, I may or may not share them. I'm going to try to share them if I can remember I mean, if I actually make the time to think about them, but we'll see what happens. Thanks, girls. Um, girls, again, is uh, if you're male or trans or identify as non-binary, I use that as a universal. Like, come on, girls, let's do this. Um, podcast recommendations. Okay, so I've got three. First one is this one by Wondery which is, I think, the network that sponsors it. It's called Bad Batch. It sounds like bad bitch, but it's Bad Batch. And super fascinating. It is the over, overall gist of it is that a company run by a guy um, around stem cell research and, like, the good and the bad of stem cell research and how this one guy, and before you even ask, yes, it was a white guy, created all of these companies and eventually created this one around stem cells and like profiting from selling it to doctor's offices who then sold it for a profit. And then there was a bad batch of stem cells that went out and it, um, really physically hurt several people. So it was just fascinating. And I continue to be fascinated at white folks who get out here and make all of this money and people who trust them with these things, and the shit blows up. I just can't figure it out. There was, what was the other one? Uh, Theranos, which I know I talked about. Um, I don't get it. 
I'm not quite sure how you have the audacity, or some might, some folks might say the caucasity to do that. I'm just fascinated by that whole thing. It was a really good show. It kept us uh, captivated for I think the six or seven episodes that it was. It, it was a, a yeah page turner if it was a book. Um, let's see. Second one is strong black lead, but it, this version of it or the season was around comedians. And so I ended up listening to three in a row that were just really, really good. One was um, Sherry Shepard, and then another one was Marlon Wayans, and then Kim Whitley. All fantastic. They were all really good and very interesting and different sides of them that you, you just don't really hear about. And then I went back to an oldie but a goodie uh, with my leaked teal from the My Taught You podcast, A Girl's Guide to Buy a House. Um, to I think it was to buying a house. And it was just a good reminder as I think about, like, in the future, maybe wanting to be a homeowner, maybe not. And what are some, what are some things to think about? I think I listened to it a few years, I think a year ago or so when it came out. And I wasn't really in the mind frame of thinking like, oh, is home ownership something that I want to think about um, with wife? And then it was just a reminder of the steps that, you know, we're taking to be um, more financially sound and move through debt and figure out like, what do we actually want? Do we want to be homeowners and what does that all mean? So it was just a good kind of check in to see if that's something that we're still interested in. So that is all for this last podcast of 2019. Thank you so much for writing with me. We're about a year and a half into the show because it started September of 2018. Um, really appreciate all the support, all the love, sliding in DMs. I hope this is continues to be something that you learn and grow from. If you have questions or if you want to hear me talk about a certain topic or look into something a little bit deeper, let me know. Slide in my DMs. You can find me mostly on Instagram. If you look under the Two Quick Things podcast, um, you will find me there. I am the host, producer, social media strategist, which you know probably could use some work in 2020, but it's all me all the time. Thank you so much for listening. If you're listening now, you know where to find me. If not, I'm on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, SoundCloud, and maybe one other that I can never remember. But thanks for hanging in thus far, and I hope you all have a great end to your year. Take care. Bye.